God's done a lot of good things in a lot of people's lives. If God's done something good in your life, say amen. 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 I believe all of us at some point can definitely point to where Jesus has done something significant for us. Today we're going to continue in Matthew chapter 5. So open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 today as we continue this series on being blessed and what blessed truly means and what it is that we possess and what we must be before we find ourselves fully blessed by God. I want to remind you, in case this is your first time here, uh, remind those who have been here and if it's your first time, that the word blessed in Scripture can actually be more clearly understood with the words fully satisfied. So when we look at this, this scripture, we can put in the words fully satisfied are the poor in spirit. Fully satisfied are those who mourn. Today we come to verse 5, which says fully satisfied, blessed are, are they, are those who are meek. It's a very curious word. It's a word that we don't want to talk a lot about. It's a word that we, we kind of push over to the side to be part of a society or a group that we would consider mats to be walked upon. But I hope today when we get done looking at this, we will biblically be able to see what Jesus meant by the word meek. Now, here's what I want you to understand first off this morning. That the greatest act this morning will not be the preaching of His Word, but the work of God in your heart during this time. During this time, I pray, and I've been praying, that you would grow. That you would come to understand Christ better, and that God would work within you, so that when you get done with this time we have together, that you would be different. I don't know on what level, it might be a little bit, it may be a lot, but my prayer for you is that you encounter a holy and living God, because the greatest work is not what I do here, it's what the Holy Spirit does in you there. What does this mean when we look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 5? Jesus is preaching his very first sermon that's recorded in Scripture in Matthew chapter 5, and In verse 5, he says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Like Paul Washer, I must uh, agree with him on the aspects that the translation that this word gentle goes there sells the word of what God, what Jesus is using, what God is trying to get across to us short. Because it's much more than just Gentle. Now, this word can mean gentle. We find this same Greek word in the fruits of the Spirit. It's about gentleness. It's the same form. So gentleness is a part of it. But right here, I think gentle sells it short as to what Jesus is actually teaching his people. We can just grab a word and we can look it up in the dictionary. I love old books. I recently have got several old books into my library. And when I say old, I'm talking about Old. I got one this week from 1895. There is a, a, an encyclopedia in my office that's old. If we were to take dictionaries from the 1800s and looked up some of the words, you know what you would find? Words in the 1800s meant something different than they do today. I wonder if you would find the word Google in a dictionary from the 1800s. <laughs> or selfie. 
words evolve, words have meaning, so we have to be careful not to take a word out of Scripture, look it up in Miriam's Dictionary or Google, and, and expect Dr. Google to tell us exactly what it means in Scripture. The most important thing about understanding Scripture is what, Brian Carden? It's context. We have to look at the context and look at the rest of Scripture to fully grab hold of what does Jesus mean when he said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So this is a very interesting uh, uh, Scripture. It's a very interesting word today. And so we're going to dive into this. We're going to ask the question, Who are the meek? And what does it mean they shall inherit the earth? Because I am absolutely convinced the first part of it is married to the second part and the two fit together like a glove. And because we can take the two and stick them together and they can fit together, it helps us understand each one separately. Does that make sense? Because we can't just take a portion of it and sit it over here and a portion of it and sit it over there when Jesus took them both and went, these two are married. So let's dive in. The very first thing about blessed, and I want you to write this down, is blessed are the, gen the gentle, the, the merciful, the, and I want us to really think about the meek. Blessed are the meek. That's the word I want us to hold on to. Blessed are the meek. I can tell you this, biblical meekness is not weakness. We often think that to be meek means to be a doormat, to be lesser of a man to not stand up for yourself not to be tough meekness seems to come across as this idea that you can get run over pushed around and you can't play football if you're meek i want us to challenge that thinking because that thinking has come from the culture not from scripture as to what this word means in scripture so we're going to look at this because webster's dictionary says deficient in spirit and courage so if we, if we went with Webster's understanding, blessed are those who are deficient in spirit and courage, for they will inherit the earth. That doesn't sound like a great spiritual truth. It sounds a little depressing. For me to inherit the earth, I have to be deficient of courage and spirit. That's why I want us to understand context is so important. I don't want you to miss something that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. Jesus, we all know Jesus, right? If you know who Jesus says, says, oh yeah. oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. How many of you would like to be like Jesus? Say, oh yeah. yeah. All right. So here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. The same word used for Meek is used there. Some translations even actually uses the word meek when Jesus says that I am meek and lowly of heart. So let me ask you, was Jesus deficient of spirit and courage? Easy question, right? No, he was not. So we cannot say that Merriam-Webster's got this right when we look at the word meek when Jesus says that he was meek and we know enough about the context to know Jesus was anything but deficient in spirit and courage. Jesus would look the religious leaders in the eye and call them a hypocrite, knowing that that would set forth the enemy in his life to destroy him. He would not back down from what was true. He would stand up for what was right. He was with the, the, tax, uh, the tax collectors and the sinners. He was hanging out with people that they didn't want to be with. Let me tell you something. That's not deficient of spirit and courage to me. 
when it came to the temple and he walked into it and they had made it a den of thieves and they were selling and they weren't doing what they were supposed to do, Jesus didn't stand over in the corner and go, oh, well, I guess I'll leave. Jesus walked over to the tables and started turning them over everywhere. So, let me pose this question to you. If Jesus was that way, and we go with the definition of meekness that we think of, then is Jesus contradicting something he said when he said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, and that he's meek, but yet he's turning over tables. He's standing up against the what's wrong, and he's hanging out with bad people. I want to, to challenge you to, to this. Maybe the word meek that Jesus is using isn't what we think in today's world. Maybe meekness is something a little different. Because Jesus said himself that he's meek. Jesus didn't contradict himself, so let's, let's walk a little farther. If meekness is not weakness, then what is meekness? I can tell you, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, tells us very clearly about you and I. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. And he has given us uh, of love and of a sound mind. He has not given us a cowardly spirit. He's not given us a lack of courage. He's given us what we need. We're not to be timid, timid or cowardly. We're to be brave and courageous when it comes to truth. But yet, Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I want to challenge your idea of meekness. The word does carry with it the idea of gentle and humble. But let's dive and really wrap our hands around timid. Timid is weakness. Weakness will not stand up for truth. Weakness, I'm going to go ahead and jump ahead just a little bit. Weakness will make other people feel inferior so that the one who's weak can feel like they're the stronger one. Weakness will fight for control. To be in charge, no matter the cost of what it does to other people. Let me tell you what strength will do. Strength will do just the opposite. Strength will not have to fight for control and will not have to fight for what, is, what they want. Biblical meekness is strength. But notice I say biblical meekness. Not our cultural meekness, but biblical meekness. So how is it strength? Check this out. John the Baptist said, I must decrease, he must increase, talking about Jesus. The gentle or meek are those who submit themselves to a higher authority so that the strength within them is actually being showed in their submission. Now that sounds kind of contradictory, doesn't it? But I want you to think about this for a second. A meek person isn't one who has to have the attention. Have you ever been around somebody who just seems to always have to be the center of attention? They go to a, they go to a wedding and they have to be the bride or the groom. They go to a funeral and they have to be the one in the casket. They got to be the center of attention all the time. They override whatever is happening. It's all about them. A person who's meek, they don't function that way. When Jesus talked about Meekness, he was not talking about someone who was a doormat. Meekness is not weakness. In fact, say that with me. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength. Let's try it again. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is a strength. 
If the Bible says we are to have it, you know what I would say is a good idea? We should have it. Meekness is important. But what is biblical meekness? How do we get this into our, our lives? Meekness has to do with our relationship with God first and foremost before it has anything to do with our relationship with people around us. I'm going to say that again. Meekness has to do with our relationship with God first and foremost before it has to do with the relationship of people around us. Because we immediately want to take the Beatitudes and say, the Beatitudes, if we'll just live by these Beatitudes and put them into practice in our everyday life of being a, uh, an employee or a student or a father or a mother or a sister or a brother, we will have a much better life and God will bless us. I want to tell you the context of this scripture is spiritual before it's anything else. And spiritually, it's between us and God. It reveals to us something about God and about us that we must grab hold of way before we start putting it into practice every day. So follow me, if you will. If biblical meekness is not weakness, but it's strength, how do we get there? What does it really mean to be strong when you're meek? Meekness is an attitude that accepts God's will, remember? Meekness is this idea of submitting to authority. You got me? Meekness is submitting to authority. So if I'm submitting to authority of God, then I'm submitting to His will and purpose in my life. So if I am living in a meek way, God's way is the way, not my way. What God says about it in the Word takes precedent over what I think or what I feel should be the answer. Meekness says, God, you're in control, I'm not. Now let's walk back just for a second. Verse 3, blessed are the spiritually bankrupt. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn over their sin, who is, who is tore up. They understand the view of sin, that it is rebellion against God. And here we are in verse 5. Blessed are those who release control of their own life. Think about this for a second. Fully satisfied are those who release control of their life and completely submit all of their will to His, for they will inherit the earth. Now, when you begin to take those two things and marry them together, now it starts making sense. Because if you just take somebody who's meek, because I've been around some people that you could say is meek. They're gentle. They're kind. I, I have seen people... When we think of meekness that get beat up all the time, you know, they're, they're, they just seem to be weak. And so you would think meekness will inherit the earth. But the only way you inherit the earth, ladies and gentlemen, is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. So if that's the only way, and we're going to talk about that in a second from Romans 8, then this has to be tied to a spiritual connection of meekness, which is absolute surrender to God being in control. I want to roll back to the verse that Buddy was reading from Romans chapter 10. It says, If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is... Okay, let's try that again. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is... We don't like to talk about that part of salvation or that part of our life. We like the idea that we can just pray and God will forgive us and we can move on in our life and we'll go to heaven and all will be well. But Paul the Apostle, Peter, all the New Testament is filled with disciples calling Jesus Lord and Savior. 
Those two things go together. And I believe that Jesus in his first sermon here, he's putting it in there. Blessed are the meek, fully satisfied are those who surrender their own will and put themselves under the authority of God, for they will inherit the earth. Because without that, you think you're in control. How many of you think yourself to be God today? Oh, look at there. Absolutely nobody raised their hand. But how many of you, let's be honest, don't have to raise your hand. How many of us this week acted as if we were in control? Or how many of us this week took control? How many of us this week fought to have control in a situation? Or, whoo, all right, here we go. How many of us had to prove ourselves right even though it really didn't matter? Except for you, it mattered. That you had to, I'm right and you better believe I'm right. And I'm going to fight till you understand I'm right when in the long run it doesn't really matter. Even if you are right, you fought for it, no matter the cost of the other person. Meekness puts ourselves under the submission and lordship of God. And that, when that's right, meekness with other people will happen. See, a lot of people will begin to tell you, oh, just be meek, be gentle to those that you come in contact with. I'm going to flip, flip the cart because I'm going to tell you to get your submission to God right, and then your submission to other people will be right. I'm even going to go as far as to say, another indication of someone who is not meek, who has not submitted to the Lord, they cannot submit to authority. They're not good followers. And let me tell you, a good follower cannot be a good leader. It's my experience. It is a conviction I have about leadership. If you cannot follow well, you will not lead well. Where do I get that? Jesus. Look what Jesus did. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Not my will, but your will be done. Jesus, while he was on earth, he was walking to fulfill what God had said more than anything else. That was his purpose, his mission. Jesus set forth this idea to be a servant, to serve. Chuck Swindoll says there are no great leaders, only great servants. Only when we have our vertical relationship correct in this area will the horizontal be correct. If you look around and you seem to be harsh, ugly, mean, fighting for control, fighting to be right, and that is a mess, don't try to fix that before you fix the vertical. When you get that submission to Christ correct, you're going to find out that it's going to be right with other people. It starts with your relationship with God before anything else. See, meekness is something that you won't hear much about. If we were to scan churches all across this nation today, there probably wouldn't be many messages on meekness. There would be messages on greatness and courage and power and strength. But the Bible clearly teaches about meekness. If you want to read some context of where Jesus is getting this idea of the meek shall inherit the earth, go to Psalm chapter 37. You will find a list there. The, the psalmist writes, and there's one thing you will find very clear as a thread running through that chapter. The writer's completely submitted to God. He is trusting in the Lord. The Lord... The Lord himself is the place he's looking. 
He is submitted to authority. See, the meek isn't weak. The meek goes, you know what? He's in charge and I'm not. He's in charge and I'm not. So we know that, number one, biblical meekness is far from weakness. And biblical meekness is strength. And third, that biblical meekness is total submission to God. Total submission to God. And it doesn't mean you're weak when you let God be in control. It doesn't mean that you're weak when you seek Him for what you need to do. <laughs> you want to hear how, how crazy I am? In the mornings, I will say, Lord... What shirt do you want me to wear today? Sometimes people would call me crazy. But I understand that maybe somebody prays to the Lord that day and says, you know, if a guy comes out of that door wearing a black shirt and jeans, I'm going to go to church this Sunday. I don't know. I think crazy sometimes. But I ask God, because God, if you're in control of my life, you dress me. I know what you're thinking. Did God tell you to wear that today? <laughs> I checked with him before I put it on, okay? But if God is in control of our life, he needs to be in control of our life, and we need to stop taking control back. When Jesus says, blessed are the meek, he is talking about the ones who are strong enough to say, God, you're in control and I'm not. I'm not going to do this on my own. I'm not going to do it my way. I'm going to do it your way. Let me tell you, it takes more strength to submit than it does to absolutely fight for control. It takes more strength to step out onto a football field. By the way, I like football in case you haven't figured that out. It takes more strength to step on a football field and keep your mouth shut and let your actions show what kind of a player you are rather than just be taunting it up and going, I'm the best player that's ever been on the football field. Man, I'm going to be out here. I'm going to be running all over people and breaking ankles. You know, that is not meekness. Meekness is getting out there breaking ankles and you didn't say a word about it. That's meekness. Meekness doesn't mean that you're not skilled and you're not strong and, and you're not good at what you do. Meekness means you don't shove it in people's face and you don't, you're not braggadocious about it. You're just comfortable in who God made you to be and you're going to go do the best and be the best that God's made you to be and just let your, your actions speak for your skills. That's meekness. Because you're doing it not for the approval of people, but the approval of God. See, those who open their mouth... And talk about how great they are. They're trying to win the approval of people. The one who keeps their mouth closed is only working for the audience of one. And that's God. They're strong and their meekness causes them to have great strength. So let's not think meekness is weakness. Meekness, biblical meekness, meekness is actually strength because you have total submission to God. It's not, okay God, I will do what you want, but then complain the whole time. Fine, God, I'll do it, but I'm not going to enjoy it. It's not meekness. Don't be the kind of person that says, God, if you don't do it my way, I'm going to take my, my stuff, pack it up, and go home. It's not meekness. That's not surrender. Lordship means he's in control and you're not. So when we talk about Jesus being Lord, it means He's guiding the marriage and the principles that we have. He's guiding us as parents and the principles we have. We're not getting it from some book on the internet. We may read something, but it must be backed up by Scripture because if it contradicts Scripture, we ain't going to do it because it's got to be biblical in the concepts and the principles. That is someone who's living on lordship. When you go to work, 
The Bible says we are to work at everything we do as if we're working for the Lord. You don't go to work and complain. You go to work and you do it for Him. Whether you like the job or not. If your boss is an absolute tyrant, ugly, mean, terrible person, you ain't working for Him. You're working for God. The meek person understands that and walks in with a confidence and a courage to say, you know, it's all right. God will take care of this situation. And you walk in fully satisfied that you're comfortable in your skin of who you are and who God's called you to be and that He's in control, not you. See, this idea of meekness has to do with lordship. And so when we think about this, God, I come to you, I have nothing to offer spiritually. I'm spiritually bankrupt. And I come to you sorry for my sins, and I'm asking you to take control. What does that sound like? It sounds to me like salvation. It sounds to me like the gospel. It sounds to me like Jesus is beginning the very first sermon in the very first paragraph. He's telling us what's important for you and I to be in relationship with him. Biblical meekness is total submission to God. Numbers chapter 12, you'll find Moses being called this. It says, Now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. Meekness and humble, they tied together. They're the exact same word. Meekness and humble. Moses was called the most humble person on earth. And before he was fully submitted to God, he tried to rescue the Israelites by killing an Egyptian. When he was not fully humble and submitted to God and meek, he killed one Egyptian. When he was fully humble and submitted to God, he saw an entire army of the Egyptians be killed. When he was not fully submitted to God and humble, he thought that he, being the, the noble man that he was growing up in Pharaoh's house, he thought that he could lead people, but he found himself leading no one. But yet when he fully submitted himself to God, and he was humble under God and let God be in control, he led millions of people. When he tried to free one man from being wrongly treated by an Egyptian, when he did not know God, he had to run away. For people knew what he had done, and it was wrong. He had murdered someone. But yet when he was fully submitted to God, he led an entire nation out of captivity, out of slavery. See, you may think and you may have in your head that if, if I'm humble and submit to God's way, I'm not going to get anywhere in this world. I submit you to you completely the opposite. When you submit your life to God's way of living, you're going to find God fighting for you and leading you and taking you places you never thought you'd go, getting to do things you never thought you'd be able to do. In all my life, I dreamed of many things in my, my life. I never dreamed of myself being able to preach and people in other countries hear me preach. We've had people watch our services from other countries, other states, across the nation. Somebody will find us for some reason and they're watching, watching us in Washington State. That blows my mind. I'm going, What? I don't know anybody out there. It doesn't matter who I know. It's about who God knows, who knows that they need to hear whatever the message was that God has proclaimed through His Word. 
God will do things in your life you never thought possible when you fully submit to Him and you're meek and you're humble and you say, God, you're in charge, I am not. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9-10. through 10. I don't want you to miss this one because this is a good one. You may want to jot this down in your notes or over in the corner to look this up later because it is just powerful when it comes to this idea. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Verses 9 through 10. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in working out. Having the right positions. Getting your own. Being the master of your own destiny. That is not what it says in 2 Corinthians. Here's what God wrote down for us. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Power is perfected in weakness. So that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How can he say something so crazy? Because he understands when he fully submits to God and he says, that which I don't understand and I'm weak in, God, you're in control. I leave it at your feet. And it is in that moment we become strong. So, let's move on to this second part. Blessed are those that are meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What in the world does that have to do with anything? Well, Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17 tells us something very curious that causes you to think differently about this entire verse. Because it says in Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit Himself, testifies with our spirit within us that we are children of God. So there again, I'm going to tell you, Unless you have the Holy Spirit living inside you, you are not a child of God. Our culture, our nation, the church has got you thinking that if you just go to church, you're a Christian. Nope. That if you just go to church, you're a child of God. Nope. That if you were just born and you're human, you're a child of God. You're created in His image and you're valuable and you are very important. But you become a child of God when you have the Holy Spirit living in you. Pastor, where do you get that? Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. You can read earlier in chapter 8 that says the one who has the Spirit knows God and the one that don't, don't know God. So there we go. Now, verse 17. So, we are children of God. You got that? The Bible says we're children of God when we have the Holy Spirit living in us. Now, check this out. And if we are children, then we're heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Do you understand that statement? You being a sinner, a Gentile, someone who was in rebellion against God, Christ died for you, and even though you have lived the life you have lived, when you're in relationship with God, you've asked Him to forgive you and take over your life, here's what happens. You get all the benefits of heaven and all the inheritance as well. You are heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ. You get the same thing as Jesus. And you know what Jesus gets? The entire earth. In fact, he has the whole universe. 
So you understand the Bible brings about this idea that we inherit the earth because we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. So the only way you do that is if you're a child of God. And if you're a child of God, then this meekness must lead you to that and then keep you there and, and help you understand how to walk. Once we come to God and we say, I am spiritually bankrupt, I have nothing to offer, I am sorry for my sins, God take over my life, we still must every day, even though we become in relationship with God, we have to continue that idea and that relationship. That you and I have nothing to bring spiritually to God. You and I, we need to be about the killing work of sin in our life. Sorry for our sins. And we must live our life as someone who is submitted to authority. His authority. A lot of people today don't want to take that part of salvation. They don't want to take the, God, you're in control and what you have said goes. They want to take the, well, you know, maybe he didn't quite mean it that way. I mean, after all, culture's different. That's not the platform I stand upon. If God said it, then I must change the way I think about it. If I don't agree with it, then I have to understand, he's in charge, I am not. He's in control. I am not. If, if God told me to stand up here on my left foot, then I'm going to stand up here on my left foot. If God told me to stand up here on just my right foot, you know what I'm going to do? Try not to fall over and stand on my right foot. Because why? God's in control. How much is he in control of your life? Have you put him in just compartments in your life? Because listen, the full satisfaction of the meek Know this, full satisfaction of the meek in Jesus is found in the hope of a future with Jesus. The meek are blessed and fully satisfied because they know there's, a, there's the hope for the future that I get to be with Jesus and that Jesus is the hope of the world. And this old inheriting the earth talks about eternity. John says, and behold, I look and I saw a new heaven and a new earth coming down. We get to be part of that. That is the full satisfaction of the meek. Yeah, we may have to endure harsh treatment, but when we walk in full submission to God, we know that all will be okay. Weak people are always trying to prove how powerful they are. Not meek, but weak. The meek never say, if I don't get my way, I'm going to take my stuff and I'm going home. The meek don't ever say that. The meek say nothing when they could be proven right. They're never the center of attention trying to get the approval of everybody around them because they have the approval of God. The meek are not bullies. They're not braggadocious. They're not boasting at every chance they get. The meek say nothing and let their actions speak loud for them. The meek say, what is your will, God? Not, I've got this. God, I don't need you today. The meek lets God take care of it rather than trying to take care of it yourself. The meek are not seeking the limelight or the credit for everything that you do in your life. The meek can bend and they run to Scripture when things are going on. The weak, they don't bend. They fight. They try to be the one who is in control. When Jesus said, blessed are the meek, when you, we first read that, we think that that means weakness, but it doesn't. It means you're strong enough to say, 
God, you're in control. Because you know what happens? It takes more strength to fight against the flesh than to give in to the flesh. That's just the truth. It takes more strength to fight against your natural response than it does to give in to that natural response. Your flesh does not want to submit to God. Let's just be real. Your flesh does not want Him to be in control because He's going to make you do things you don't want to do. Think things you don't want to think. Act in ways you don't want to act. Your flesh wants to be proven right every time. But God's way, the other person's more important than you being right every time. Sometimes we have to go, you know what? I know I'm right. I don't have to prove it. I'm just going to go on with my day. And you know what's going to happen if you do that? You're going to have more peace. When you submit to God being in charge and doing it His way, you're going to find more and more peace. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. This is, <laughs> for days I was praying, God, how do we put this into action? How do we make this work? What must we do with this truth about meekness? So here's where I landed. Micah chapter 7, verse 8. Micah chapter 7, uh, sorry, verse 6, verse, chapter 6, verse 8. Micah 6, 8 says, He has told you, mortal one, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. To do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Walking humbly is walking in meekness. It's walking in submission. It's not beating yourself up and tearing yourself down and treating yourself like trash or dirt. Do you, do you hear me? Being meek and being humble doesn't mean that you, you are walking as if the weight of the world is on you and you are a, a, a deplorable, terrible person. Meekness just is simply this. Walking humbly with God is saying, God, you're in charge and I'm not. It's not about me anymore. It's all about you. That's what walking humbly with God is. So here is where we're going today. James chapter 4, verses 5 through 10 says, Do you think the Scriptures have no meaning? I think they got plenty of meaning. So they say that God is passionate that the Spirit He has placed within us should be faithful to Him. And He gives grace generously. As the Scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the... Anybody know? Humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Be meek. Be humble. Let Him be in charge and in control. Submit to authority. That is meekness. So here's your challenge. Here's your challenge. Ask God this question. God, where, how, and when should I be more meek? Where, how, and when should I be more meek? And let me tell you, I'm going to warn you. If you pray this prayer, God's going to give you the opportunity to be meek this week. There's going to be a moment when you could be right and proven to be right and destroy the other person or just de degrade them and let you be above them. Or you can just be silent and know that you're right and just go on. 
there's going to be a time when you could do something for somebody and you could get the credit and you could look so good. You could win some favor. Or you could do it and nobody even know you did it. This week, if you pray this prayer, you're going to have the opportunity to be meek. And I'm going to say it one more time. Meekness is not weakness. It is strength. Meekness is saying, God, your way, not my way. When we get ourselves right under the authority of Christ, then we will be right with how we treat other people. But it must start vertically before it pours out horizontally. So my question to you today is this. Have you come to a place in your life where you've said, God, you're in control and I'm not? We often use church words like saved, born again, follower of Christ. Of those three, I like the word follower of Christ a little bit better, but it's still not the essence of what's fully encapsulated in it. It's about letting him be in charge. Letting him take over. Have you ever got to the point where, yeah, you, you said, I have messed up, God forgive me. But have you ever said, God, you're in control and I'm not. I'm going to do it your way. I've tried it my way. It, it keeps failing. It's a mess. I'm a mess. I am mentally a mess. I'm emotionally a mess. I'm spiritually a mess. God, I've tried it my way. Let me just give you an idea. Try it his way where he is in charge and in control. That's what this is about. It's not about a free ticket to heaven so you can live your life however you want. It's about Christ dying on the cross so that you can be forgiven, be in relationship, and then live as he has designed you to be so that you could be greater than you ever thought you could be possible because he's got a, he's got a blueprint for you that looks just like Jesus. And that is a beautiful thing. Where are you with God being Lord of your life? Where are you with Jesus being Lord and Savior? Are you there? Do you have struggles in your life? As many times I have, even as your pastor, there are times that I like to take control and say, God, I got this. And then something will happen to remind me, no, you don't. You think you got this? Watch this. I'm going to tear the microwave up in the kitchen, so you got to go get an, uh, another microwave for the church. Ha ha. <laughs> no, he doesn't laugh at you like that, but he's always there to remind us. Just as we think we got everything under control, he's there to remind us. No, you don't. But if you'll let me be in control, there's so many great things that I want to do in your life. So if you bow your head and close your eyes, I want you to really consider. Does it scare you? Are you afraid to pray, God, you show me where, how, and when to be meek this week? Does that scare you? If it does, then that in itself tells us that you struggle with pride. You struggle with being humble. 
being submitted to Him. There's two facts for real. Number one, all of us in this room have more pride than we actually think we do. And all of us in this room are not near as humble as we actually think we are. So right now, let's submit ourselves to God completely. Let's give Him a total surrender and absolute authority in our life. Meekness is the strength to say you're in charge and I submit to you. Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for your word and the challenge it brings to us. Lord, in that attribute that for us to know you, you're not standing on the corner just passing out tickets and saying, you get free salvation, you get free salvation, you get free salvation. But you're standing there with your arms open asking, I have a gift for you. It's the gift of forgiveness and lordship. Let me be in charge and in, in control. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am meek and lowly of heart. Those are words from Christ. Father, today I pray that someone will take a step closer to you being in charge. That pride will decrease, humbleness will increase. Lord, that we will decrease, you may increase, and that everything we do will be governed by you. For the one that has never made that commitment, who has stood back wanting to maintain a little bit of control, God, let them let go and let you be in charge. Let them say, no longer my way, but your way. I'm no longer in charge, God. You are. Forgive me and take over my life. For those of us who know Christ, who are following after you, who have submitted ourselves to you, but we struggle in this area, help us, Father, that you may show us where, when, and how to be a little, a little more meek, a little more humble, Submit to you rather than ourselves. We love you, Father, and thank you for what you're doing in Jesus' name.